everyone, and welcome to the next edition of the Future Farmers Network Mentor of the Month podcast. This podcast is an opportunity for us to speak candidly with individuals who are passionate about and have a connection to agriculture for the purposes of not only learning about their career to date, but also gaining some invaluable insights from those of whom, even at a young age, are mentors and leaders within the agricultural industry. Our greatest allies will always be those individuals surrounding us as we navigate our path through the agricultural industry, and of course, those of whom have walked the path before us. My name is Caitlin McConnell, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Eleni Teixeira, who is someone I consider to be one of my greatest allies in the industry, and someone I gain inspiration from when it comes to putting my own career as an agribusiness professional and producer into perspective. It's an honour to welcome you to the Mentor of the Month podcast, Eleni. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you. That's very kind. Very kind words. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've been kind, um, I want to hit you with a personal question that oh, goes uh, to an issue that's very close to my heart. Um, after all these years, and given all the admiration I have for you, um, I can't flick the sense of disappointment I have when I still haven't received the bags of coffee that you've been promising me. Right. For okay. years. Just right on the spot. Okay. Well, I was just waiting to give you from this year's harvest. Because, okay. Um, I have an explanation for that. We have a new technology in the farm, which we're hoping to get um, even better quality. So it's... Good answer. It's a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so. hopefully I've publicly shamed you enough that I will yes, get my it. coffee. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Now, Ali, you were born and raised in Brazil, have trained and worked as a vet and are now a global agribusiness services professional based in Australia, whilst also owning and operating an Arabica coffee and beef cattle property in Brazil. You have a vast ranging experience, so I'm curious, where does your passion for agriculture come from? Um, well, it's it's tricky. Like, I, I, I love agriculture and um, I wasn't born in a farm and actually you know I was born and raised in Sao Paulo which is a big city in Brazil um, but when I was young um, my uncle and auntie they had a little acreage uh, close to Sao Paulo which we used to go every every weekend and in there they had uh, chicken uh, cattle pigs fruit trees it's a very little, like two, two head of cattle, tree, <laughs> tree things. <laughs> and, and I guess, um, I, I absolutely loved it. Like we used to go every weekend and, and everything that they, they produce, we consume, if that mm. makes sense. So it was really, was a, was a, was a, was a very, um, was, was a, was a very good experience actually seeing how, uh, and for me, that was, that was just given, right? So we, we used to see that every weekend. At the same time as being the entire week in a in a concrete jungle, mm. but then then uh, my dad decided to invest in agriculture when I was a, a, was a teenager. I was eleven years old, mm -hmm. and and that was just like on a steroid, right? Like I absolutely <laughs> loved it, and and even being in the city, and I was always going back to the farm, and I just absolutely loved it. Mm. And but what I really I guess to me, what is very um, what I love about the industry is just very real. It's just mm. real people doing real things, um, you know, creating, producing 
you know, food that we eat. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just a, it's an industry that it gives you a lot of like reality check. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. keeps you grounded. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's it's just I, I don't think I don't think that's anything better than that. To be quite honest, and mm-hmm. being in a being a city girl, if that makes sense. Um, having that exposure to the farm and being, you know, even more involved with, you know, my, my dad's choice of investment, it was just, it, it just, it just grew from there and, mm. and it just never, never, never went away, mm. to be honest. That's certainly one of the interesting things about the industry at the moment. We're seeing a lot of people who haven't necessarily grown up on farms, yes. um, despite many of us, you know, having very fond memories from childhood of growing up on farms or visiting yeah. farms. So would you say that uh, spending time with your aunt and uncle on their farm was one of your fondest memories of agriculture as a child or is there another particular moment that stands out for you? Um, I think um, as, a, as a very young young kid, like talking about, you know, five years old <laughs> and that, that sort of age, definitely. And, um, and but then with, with the, the farm, with the, you know, the, the coffee farm and, and that was, it came a bit later, when I was about eleven, it was just the founder's memory was definitely um, actually being able to be part of a, not full production because we already you know, we had coffee trees in there and you know cattle horses etc. The founder's memory is definitely um, picking back then. You know there was a um, the harvest was all manually and then we had all these people working um, during harvest uh, and it's just. It was just awesome. And then with my sister, you know, running with horses, mustering cattle against mom and dad, obviously. Uh, and we're not talking about fancy horses, we're talking about like, you know, working horses mm-hmm. and, and racing in the paddock. That's, and that was happening mm-hmm. every um, um, every school holidays, because the school mm-hmm. holidays in Brazil are on July. And July, it's harvest time. So that's, that's mm-hmm. gold, right? So that's, I guess, in between before, like a very young age with um, uncle and auntie and actually more exposure living to and breathing living and breathing yeah. in an operation. It was actually, that's definitely the farmer's memory. Mm. It's um, what I find fascinating is you're sharing a lot of memories, which a lot of our listeners and certainly I can relate to in terms of you're out in the paddock, mustering cattle yeah. on store courses um, and really, as a kid, you're roaming free with essentially not a care in the Absolutely world. Absolutely um, But you're contributing to your parents' business, to, to an agricultural business. Um, and in terms of your early career, you went from, you know, growing up uh, from teenagehood, um, yeah. being actively involved in, in the farm in Brazil. Um, you then went on to work as a qualified vet, yeah. um, which was an interest obviously stemming from your role on the farm. Um, so I'm curious, given your familial ties to Brazil and the experiences you were having there and your qualifications as a vet, when and why did you come to Australia? Against, you know, against my father, obviously, because he said like, uh, oh, what do you, you should do, um, you should do finance, like, you, you know, you're good at that, you mm-hmm. like it, you like numbers, you know, you, you help me anyway, because dad was a <laughs> numbers man, and, um, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, you know nothing. You know, when you when you're 16, you know everything, right? And your mom and dad knows absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was pretty stubborn, and I said, no, no, we'll do that, we'll do that. Anyway, when when I had did really well, um, you know, studied really hard, did well at uni, 
I worked really hard as I loved it. I really loved the science and mm. I loved helping animals and um, and and actually, you know, surgery and it was very satisfying for me. Mm. But again, not knowing English was always in the back of my head. So a year working a year in like honestly ridiculous hours as every vet does as soon as you get out of uni. Um, I was just thinking, well, um, I think I should go and learn English for mm-hmm. six months. You know, six months it would be okay. Was like my choice of a gap year if that makes sense. So I chose Australia. Um, never been here before. Um, learned that you know, South Hemisphere, <laughs> Australia, you know, very great climate. Mm-hmm. You know, well, let's just go to Australia. Um, and that's that's how I did. So obviously, being Brazilian is a lot of. It's not just like that. You mm-hmm. can just simply you know rock up to the country and leave. Uh, you need to have a plan. So. I had to enroll for an English course uh, for six months, and and that's essentially what I was going to do. I was mm. going to come here, learn English for six months, which I thought that was going to be enough, <laughs> and then go back to my job and, mm-hmm. and everything. And that's and th- that was the plan. Mm. But sixteen years later, I'm still here. So <laughs> you know, so the plan changed completely. So how did you go from a six-month English course yeah. to, you know, studying finance? Or yeah. So what happened? It's it, it was again. It was a was a it's a timeline to mm. that, right? So if you ask me, did you did you know you would be you know sitting here when you decided to study English? I was like, well, probably not, because mm. the plan was actually six months, okay. right? Exactly. So. But then, um, so I came to Australia and as you know, again, if you go to another country to learn English or learn any other language, you have to, you just have to embrace the culture. Mm. That's the best way to do. That's the fastest way to do. Mm. And because I had a time, a limited time, I was like, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. So I absolutely kept myself completely far from any Brazilians and if I listen to Portuguese on the street, I just read for my life. And then I know literally this is legit. And I was like, but it was extremely frustrating to start with because it, I don't for whoever has experienced being in another country that you cannot understand a word and what they're saying is actually mm-hmm. very uh, is actually painful. Like you feel like it's a physical pain mm-hmm. because people are talking and you have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. And it's actually phys- you have a physical pain that you mm. cannot understand, and it's a it's a, it's a frustration as well that you can't speak obviously, but you know you have to be persistent. So every day and and by and studying in the English course, which essentially the course was full time, was from nine to three mm. every day. Uh, you actually you know you're learning in school. They are catered for that. Plus outside of that. You know, you learn on a day-to-day basis. You go and order food and, and you just go to the pub and talk to a stranger. And, mm-hmm. I mean, literally, that's, that's how many talk to a stranger on the street. And Australia is just – I absolutely fell in love with the country mm-hmm. because what actually I felt most in love with the with Australia is actually how down to earth everyone is mm-hmm. and that it didn't matter whether you are um, – um, not not in terms of being a foreigner or not, nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. What I really admired was actually seeing, for example, in the pub that, uh, you know, the, the doctor, the electrician, the farmer, 
the lawyer, mm. they're all watching, you know, the footy or having or having a rosé, and and then uh, we're neighbors. Mm. So it didn't really matter whether you chose to be academic or non-academic or or a career choice that you chose to do, you had an opportunity to have a good life and provide to your family. And to me, that was brilliant. And the fact that also, um, I mean, things has changed a bit, but I would say 16 years ago, that everyone really respected everyone else's choices and actually everyone was friends, if that mm. makes sense. I was just like, okay, this is it. I'm leaving this place because um, it's, it's what actually... To me, I always craved in the farm, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like being in the city and growing up and being, you know, in that, uh, I, I, I wouldn't call them, it's saying materialistic is the wrong word, but it's a different word, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you're living in a city, is a completely mm-hmm. different word than living in a bush, Absolutely. right? So because I had the two lives, obviously, have living in the city, but I had the farm exposure, it's amazing how you get you used to get to the farm and everyone knows you, mm. like all the employees and, and the neighbors or whatever, and you actually and you ground it and it's and it's real, right? Mm. So people are real, people they they respect you, they 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 they're just real mm. to you. And for me, I found that in Australia there was actually quite it was quite evident mm-hmm. in general. It was quite similar. It was quite similar. And mm. then I and that that to me was obviously a big trigger to extend another six months English because after six months I could not speak English, trust mm. me. I mean, I could speak more than nothing, but it was pretty far from actually be fluent. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> and no, it's not that I can I still have an accent, but I'll have it forever. <laughs> but then after that, um, you know, I had to extend. I extended with the English mm. course because, again, as a, as a Brazilian, you have to... You, know, you can't just decide stay in the country. It doesn't work like that. And then once I did uh, finish the English, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start looking at anything in relation to, to, to pet science and then see you know, what, you know, what that might take me. Mm. And I just, I was a bit inclined to, well, do I, okay, I was, twi- uh, how old was I, 23? 24 to 25 so I was thinking like oh do I really is that what I want to be when I'm you know 40 50 or or something like that and Mm -hmm. then I started questioning myself probably not Mm. but again it gave there was I guess there was my gap here to give me a bit more clarity what I really wanted to do Mm. and and then I decided doing um, staying a bit long in Australia so I extended again like as as a student, so mm-hmm. I did business, and then I did accounting degree, mm-hmm. and then the rest is history. But mm-hmm. it was, um, I guess, when I decided doing, um, you know, accounting business, etc. My my father kind of told me I told you so because he told me that when <laughs> as I was six, all good parents do when I was sixteen. <laughs> um, but I guess, um, like, from mm-hmm. surely, if I actually chose this career path when I was you know, 16 instead of a vet. It would be um, a different story. It would be a different story. Mm-hmm. Maybe I wouldn't even be here. Yeah. But um, but how do you know? I mean, yeah. it's it's very, uh, it's, it's really tricky. Mm-hmm. To... One of the um, interesting points that you touched on um, that when you first came to Australia, you found how open Australians were and how uh, quite easy it was to network, uh, particularly in the city. 
Uh, and it's it's interesting hearing that in Brazil, yeah. um, that networking and embracing culture is very strong in the bush as well. Yeah. Um, now, networking and embracing mentors in the agricultural industry here in Australia is arguably one of the hardest challenges faced by young Aggies today um, and is actually one of the very reasons why the Future Farmers Network was established and, and why I'm sitting here with you today. So in circumstances where those of us who are born and bred in Australia um, find it hard to find networks or, or mentors in the agricultural industry, I'm interested to know how you identified and grew your network within Australia, within agriculture, once you started hitting all your marks yeah. in terms of... Yeah, being completely being from, completely, not, not from here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess, look, my, my view on on how I grew up, the network doesn't happen overnight, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I guess um, the, the lucky thing about being in agriculture is because you're dealing with real people, mm -hmm. right? So, and then I guess um, if, you, if you're a good person and if you're genuine, people normally connect to good people and genuine, mm -hmm. if you have you know, genuine intentions on, um, you know, for example, sharing information that, could be personal to mm -hmm. your business and you don't want to do that but if no one else is going to do that you're not going to get benefit mm -hmm. from anybody right um when it comes to business knowledge it's is a tricky thing it's tricky for everybody mm -hmm. and um, it's not much of a networking issue but it's more like a privacy issue that mm -hmm. um sometimes it would be nicer if um if Producers in general were more collaborative about um, what's you know what's happening to their business because it could help them helping other people mm -hmm. and then getting from other you know neighbors producers what they're doing um, and then essentially growing efficiencies in your business. But but that's what I think this is the one issue that's literally I think faced the entire industry mm -hmm. in in some in some. In some commodities are a little bit better, like you have more access to information, but some it's still very, uh, it's very proprietary information, mm -hmm. which it really depends on them sharing that with you or not. In relation to relationship itself, I I think it's more again it's people like connecting to good people, mm -hmm. right? It's simple as that, and 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 being in agriculture. I think we're very lucky because, you know, people are generally very nice. And I guess once they see that you're nice and you're not, you know, pretending to be nice mm. and you're actually real um, and you don't have a, you know, a hidden agenda to be connecting to A, B or C, it's, mm. you know, it's it, it happens naturally. And for me, I guess because I came on my own and I mean, it's, if I didn't have the initiative of, speaking to people wouldn't it wouldn't happen mm -hmm. like i would be just literally in the corner and isolated mm -hmm. and and being with our family and you know and friends really to mm -hmm. start with it gave me a lot of courage to initiate a lot of conversation mm -hmm. in general so i suppose so the key obviously is to to engage with people engage with people yeah that you know base relationship that's right yeah and then not be afraid to actually start discussing some of the critical topics like business management or strategy Being exactly yeah kind of take but, the first step yeah but one thing like uh, one thing they you always have to bear in mind you can't just simply you know meet someone for the mm. first 
for the first time and start asking about um, how their business are, are going and mm -hmm. to give you data. That's not going to happen, yeah. right? So, <laughs> you know, you need question. to, yeah, you know, you need to, well, first it's very boring. And secondly, you need to connect with someone. And I suppose if you, if you are from the industry, you know, if you are from the lane, I mean, you're a farmer, I'm a farmer. Mm -hmm. We, and if you're connected to another farmer, you're all facing similar um, situations mm -hmm. which you can share and can identify yourselves and can like a um, you know it, it, it would be like a it, it turns into a trust circle mm -hmm. if that makes sense it's it's all about trust Absolutely. I mean um, and I, it just comes down to that and and I guess I'm like I said I'm very fortunate that in my career and mm -hmm. my life in Australia I have mm -hmm. met really nice people and I I have managed to, to dodge, you know, a few bad ones, but you, 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 you know, you learn how to identify yeah. that, but honestly, not many. So, mm -hmm. it's, especially in the industry, it's full of really genuine, mm -hmm. good people. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I guess from, you know, growing your network, it'll be organic. It's not going mm -hmm. to happen overnight. So... My tip it would be just just be truth just just be just be yourself mm -hmm. really and you know don't try and also like um you know sometimes I see around um you know people sometimes they try to connect with people they are either you know important or they they think that there might be an advantage for them mm -hmm. at some point look don't, don't focus on that because in the end of the day like life is a circle. Okay, and, and we're uh, all just flesh and blood, and we are just flesh and blood. People. Exactly. Honestly, it doesn't, doesn't matter what mean. the titles are. It's it doesn't matter the how you relate. And then, and sometimes you would have uh, a more, you know, meaningful advice from, you know, from from your neighbor mm -hmm. than than from someone that you, you know, in your opinion, is a very important mm -hmm. person that could advance your career. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So just. Just try to um, just just be genuine, genuine. really. Yeah. That's that's the word. Just be genuine, and I guess. Mm -hmm. And we are lucky to be in the industry that honestly most people are pretty genuine, and mm. they they really they're just good people, mm. really. To be honest. Mm. Um, now speaking of good people, uh, you currently work at FTI Consulting that's here right. in Brisbane uh, as a managing director in the corporate finance and restructuring practice. What led you to work uh, at FTI and what does your day-to-day -day role entail? You know, every day is, is different. You're dealing with, um, uh, you know, different projects in general. Uh, and I guess over the past, I don't know, six, seven years, uh, where I've been solely working in agriculture. But again, it's it's really, it's, it's actually quite... Um, it's really good because essentially it sort of marries what I wanted to do in my career in general, not necessarily just egg, but also mm -hmm. the egg experience and the connection with Brazil. Mm -hmm. So, which with the farm, there was something that did not relate to FTI at all, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So it's very, uh, um, it's that's essentially like why I chose to work for FTI. And I guess the day-to-day, -day, look, it really varies. Like uh, from, when, in our line of work, we are very hands-on. And mm. anyone, everyone in the, in the team uh, are either farmers themselves or 
or has a very strong connection with farming. Mm-hmm. And I guess we make sure that we are, um, you know, in with the client more than actually in, in an office, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So I think it's, if, if you ask, like, what's your day-to-day, honestly, I mean, mm-hmm. it could be, you know, it could be jumping on a plane and going to a remote farm in Australia or overseas somewhere mm-hmm. or just staying here. It, it, like, concentrate in different commodities where everyone works a bit more on. Like, mm-hmm. I tend to uh, do a lot of work with cattle and, and permanent cropping mm-hmm. of these reasons. And, yep. um, and I guess, coming back to what I was saying before, in terms of it's very important to listen to people mm-hmm. and I guess um, no matter how much knowledge you've got and, and how much experience you have, any every job is different, right? Mm-hmm. So every, um, for example, say advisor is a very broad name mm-hmm. um, and uh, we, we make sure that uh, what the client needs like we tailor for that and the only way to do that is actually put ourselves in their shoes if that makes sense so mm-hmm. so we spend a lot of time with them and if that's a um, for example um, a, a succession planning situation mm-hmm. where um, uh, either um, let's give an example mom and dad wants to exit the business kids are coming or Kids are not coming at all, and mom and dad wants to exit the business and wants to find um, like a suitable, uh, a suitable buyer or a suitable partner for the business so they can exit eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, what we help them is say, okay, well, how how your business can be um, well first attractive enough for someone to come in, and uh, what are the expectations for like a JV partner, for instance, mm-hmm. to come in and invest in your business, and and also like what it, it doesn't, it can't look just good in paper, right? So having like a, as this example, entering into a partnership, it's very not that simple. You're dealing with different people. You're dealing mm-hmm. with like a, um, you, know, you can be very successful in your business for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly if you're going to have a partner to come in and even though you, the reason for the partner to come in is to actually, you know, grow your business three times bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, that looks, that sounds pretty awesome, right? But um, are you prepared to be actually answering to someone, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, from day one that you haven't done for 20 years, even though that looks like you're going to actually be way more remunerated for that? For some people, that's actually great, right? Mm-hmm. But for some people, that is not. Like, mm-hmm. it, there are some there are people that's just nothing worse than actually having to answer to someone else, right? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Regardless so, of the end goal. Regardless of the end goal. So mm-hmm. so for example, um, from a numbers perspective, oh that that looks great, mm-hmm. right? So that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But how how does that fit for that particular yeah. client? So you need to understand that. Well, it comes back to what you're saying, even from you know a uh, networking perspective. Every, like it can look good on paper, yeah. But if you don't understand the client, or if you don't understand the relationship or the strategy that has developed as a result of that client, that's right. Within the business, it's not yeah. going to work. And and sometimes like so that's like one example mm-hmm. of how we work. Um, you know, one type of work that we have. 
um, others is just you know sim- simple. Um, when I say simple, it's when I say simple is like like a short term. Others mm-hmm. of a short term is <laughs> straight up the diligence of mm-hmm. you know a target um, that might be um, you know overseas that uh, um, a client wants to buy a particular company that's overseas in a supply chain. We have done that in the past. Uh, where um, an American client was buying a, um, a company that's in the supply chain in Brazil. So mm-hmm. uh, they engaged us to do a due diligence of the whole operation and, and financial. And that entails essentially not just le- knowing the language, uh, which obviously I knew producer that was okay, <laughs> but it's actually um, like understanding about the operations, connecting. Mm-hmm. With the target company as well, and right? The so culture, not only culture, within that country, but within exactly, the company as yeah. well. Yeah. So that's another example mm. how, like, how my day-to-day MFTI would entail. Mm. It, it's just really, it's important to always. I think you know sometimes what people miss is that um, it doesn't matter what you think is good mm. um, if. What your client wants is not what it is not that. It you need to understand why your client like what why is the reason your client is doing whatever they're doing. Mm. And I think that's very important. And that and comes to good communication. That's exactly being willing to listen. And and also and good communication and as you know, in agriculture, um, like you know, farmers, no matter their size, they, like we were saying before, they tend to be quite you know, keep things to the chest mm. and uh, and it's just very important to connect with them mm. and you know, make sure you can get the best mm. outcome. But that's you know, with listening, right? Mm. That definitely listening, mm. listening what they have to say, mm. but actually extracting that information from them because sometimes it's just like stuck in there. Like, oh, you have to speak. It's like <laughs> so, yeah. Um, mm. I think that's that's. Um, mm. Well, I think, um, and certainly as you know, we've previously mentioned, um, you know, you're not only in professional services, um, you have first-hand experience in primary production, which would ultimately uh, help you in, in yeah. working with your day-to-day clients at FTI. Um, but uh, can you tell me a little bit about how you uh, came about being an owner and operator of an Ar- Arabica coffee and beef cattle property in Brazil? Yeah, well, um, that... Essentially, like I said, so Dad invested in egg when you know when we were quite young, mm-hmm. my sister and I, and um, and we were always involved in some shape or form in the business. I guess the good thing, uh, the greatest lesson from all that time was so Daddy invested in egg, so he wasn't um, he he wasn't. You know, he didn't board in the farm or anything mm-hmm. like that. He just saw it as a good investment. And I actually learned with him a lot about mm-hmm. the business itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so was he an accountant? He was an accountant and a lawyer. So yeah. he just, he's, he's a yeah, brilliant man. Like mm-hmm. the, I would say definitely my best mentor ever. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've learned with him, it was just yeah, much more than what I've learned in whatever many degrees I've done in the past few months. <laughs> it's just like, it was just a very good, it's just very good advice in the right time. And and was actually and because we communicated rare, really closely on on business, if that makes sense. So mm. Dad was wasn't the most you know expressive man, but he just loved to talk about talking about business and mm. things like that. And with the farm itself, 
um, so I learned all the like you know the, how the uh, like the commodity price when to sell and things and I was about like literally like fourteen you know like a, a picking coffee mm-hmm. uh, driving a tractor mm-hmm. that sort of thing it was actually me being just too bloody energetic right because <laughs> dad he 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 was a numbers guy so mm-hmm. imagine someone. You know, just behind the desk, that was him, right? Mm-hmm. So he wasn't doing any of the manual stuff because just there wasn't there wasn't his forte. His forte mm-hmm. was actually you know running running a business mm-hmm. has always been that way. And but me being me, I was learning everything else with mm-hmm. everyone else in the farm, right? So um, you know, every everything. So and I loved it. They obviously kept me busy as well, which is good. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's really and. Actually, um, that actually really helped now, mm. if you know what I mean, from a lot of aspects. So, essentially, now obviously, we and I didn't purchase a coffee and cattle farm in Brazil that like dad passed away, unfortunately, nearly nine years ago, and that was very, very sudden. And honestly, we had no plan. Mm. So, my sister and I. We we were raised by mom and dad to be independent, right? So to, mm-hmm. to go and, and and search for our own goals and, and study and, and be our own selves, not be dependent on you know family mm-hmm. um, business or anything like that. Um, so then to us there was something we helped him in the business, but there wasn't any plan to take over at mm-hmm. all, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because we actually branch out and did our own thing. Mm. So when this this happened, there was no plan. So I always say like a I'm an so example you, of you a succession plan without the planning. Yeah. Because there was no planning. So you were here happen. in Australia. I was in Australia working for FTI and my sister, she's mm. a doctor, mm. like delivering babies. So imagine imagine That's, that, right? Yeah. So <laughs> so we um we obviously decided um that was very hard. It mm. was really, really difficult. Um, but the decision was not hard at all because, to be honest, like I'm very grateful for how we were raised by mm-hmm. mom and dad, which was always sharing everything and not having any dispute on anything. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I think if you think like thinking back, um, because we never had that in our mind in terms of oh this would be ours one day or anything like that. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if it, you know. If, Dad decided, you know, selling everything and I know donating to a charity. That's his rights. That mm-hmm. was his rights because mom and dad provided us with a good education and essentially gave us the tools to be able to succeed. Right? Mm-hmm. How you know good parents do if they are able to, so they're able to you know to good schools, etc. And then whether you know he decided to do whatever with. Mm-hmm anything that he has achieved himself, it was up to him. Mm. So that helped us not to even contemplate um, um, you know, disputing anything to be quite mm. honest, which is actually very unusual because I have seen only the opposite in situations that there wasn't mm. a planning involved mm. and a clear planning involved in terms of mm. succession. And the worst thing is actually, you know, I can't think of anything worse than the family dispute because it's something you just can't take it back. Yeah. So 
And it's a very hard conversation to have mm-hmm. because you don't want to disappoint your siblings or your family. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't want to, even though if you think something that might upset them, you don't say. Mm-hmm. And in the succession planning, it's actually the words. You, you have say to it. say it. You've got to say it. So you said, like, you said that you were, you're an example of a family that, didn't have a succession plan. Not at all. And you you and your sister were thrown into this situation uh, whereby you both had to decide whether or not you kept the yeah. farm. Yeah. So what were those initial conversations like and how did you actually well, make we, the plan? I'm like, again, like I'm the luckiest like human on earth. This is not a joke. Like that's, I've got the best sister ever. And I mean, She's not here to say, but she'll say the same. <laughs> that I dare her, she doesn't remember. No, seriously, about we... About or about you? you know, oh, oh, yeah, actually, I hope about me, but it's okay. So, and uh, look, we we have a relationship that's unbreakable. I can say that 100%. And um, even though I'll take guarantee a lot of people thought otherwise. Mm-hmm. Especially when that happened. So they thought, um, and, it's, and it just proved everyone wrong, which is fantastic. I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Just so you work harder. We, exactly. So mm-hmm. essentially our decision was a no-brainer. We were like, you know what? If you're going to do this, let's do this together. As soon as that passed away, we had numerous phone calls from, you know, real estate agents, from, um, um, you know, from lawyers, from, um, from leeches, to be honest. <laughs> because, you know, it's um, it's it's a it's a tough one out there, and then mm. people think they thought people have a lot of stereotypes. It's not just in Australia; it's everywhere in the world. Mm. And the first thing that people thought was like, "Well, hang on a second, two daughters, right?" So one is probably in Australia, I don't know, surfing or something, because people That's don't do really that. bother. Mm. Actually, really knowing we are what you have achieved, they just assume. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and my sister probably is like, "Oh yeah, she's just you know maybe." Just being a princess or whatever, Mm. and yeah, no, so there were people looking to take. Oh, oh, absolutely, Mm. they were like, Oh, yeah, we can help you. We have this, we have this management, etc., blah blah blah. And you're like, Oh, this is this is bloody great. Mm. So, we but no one knew how we were actually really raised, and that's mm. fantastic. So we really knew about the business. We were involved in the business, even mm. though people didn't know we were. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Because Dad was kind of demanding. He was a bit, even <laughs> though he knew we had our own jobs. I mean, gee, my sister, she's a very successful doctor in Brazil, and she's like, she's busy. Trust me, she's a mom, she's got two kids and an husband, and it's she's still used to. You know, when, when dad used to call, I was like, oh, hey, we need to do this, this, and she was like, um, so I'm just about to enter into surgery, mm-hmm. you know, into the into the theater again. Um, and he said, oh, sure, doctor, just go to your theater. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know how it is. Right? Yeah. Like, parents. Sounds, sounds a bit like my old man. <laughs> I know, it's frustrating. But anyway, but but look, like, I, I think he made well. Um, yeah. No, he did. So we, um, so it, it was... There wasn't easy, don't get me wrong, mm. it wasn't easy. Um, and, uh, you know, my sister, like I said, she's married, her husband, we're very close as well. Mm. He's fantastic, he's an engineer, and we work We work as a team. The mm. three of us, well, I can say we work as a team, you know, it's my sister and I, mm. obviously we, we have the, um, you know, the, the daughters, but yeah. um, he... He also has a full time job, <laughs> and um, and I always say like, oh, the farm never had 
the equipment so well looked after, <laughs> you know, since he's been like, because he's very meticulous engineer, so mm. it's, it's fantastic. I was like, mate, you look at that because that's definitely not my forte. Mm. So in the beginning, we had to restructure a lot of things to be able to be absentee honest, mm. okay? So um, that, you know, it wasn't a choice. Let's say if you ask me, oh, would you today, you know, if you have this money, would you invest um, with a, a business with your sister, uh, you know, and your brother-in-law today? If you ask me today, would you do that? I will 100% do it mm-hmm. because it works really well. If you ask me, you know, 10 years ago, I'd be like, uh, why? Like, I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'll think about it um, because it is hard. I mean, the most important thing is respect, mm-hmm. right? So we have an ultimate respect for what the business means to us personally, um, you know, what the memories means to us personally. Mm-hmm. And and also um, we have a very good understanding in relation to um, who has the rights to what, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's not a matter of yours and mine, it's ours. Mm-hmm. And to us, that works. It doesn't mean that works for everybody mm-hmm. because – you have to have a particular relationship to work that way. And it doesn't mean that's the right way. Mm. It's right for us. Mm. You know, and it doesn't mean that you need to be um, in control of one thing and your sibling needs to be in control of something else. It's something wrong with you. Mm. It's it's just like if that's your personality, make sure you set up that way so then you're never going to have a personal conflict mm. because it's not worth it. No matter, there's no money in the world mm. that that is worth enough um, uh, a relationship with, with mm-hmm. you know with your with your family mm-hmm. like a, a breakdown relationship with your family. That's my opinion. You've you've touched on briefly uh, the emotional challenges that can come with oh, yes. succession planning. Um, and I even get goosebumps. When yeah. we talk about it. Like literally, no, it's true. <laughs> no one can see that, but it's happening. <laughs> um, but you're certainly in the unique position that, uh, as in professional services, yeah. where you've you've seen and you saw at the time of your own succession planning, yeah. various business models and, and operations and that sort of thing. Would you say that your background in professional services and and conversely to your sister's role, uh, even in medicine, but in an external industry, actually helped you in engaging in those succession planning discussions and trying to remove the emotion from some of the decisions that you're making? Yeah, um, you mean in our business? In your business, yes. Hmm. Um, I think uh, on the the succession planning itself, I mean, that happened in a very early stage. Hmm. And I guess um, it was more, uh, it, it was like it was led by our personal, what what, what was good for us personally. Mm. We have seen, like, a, I guess one thing that led us to do that is definitely the bad examples on the opposition where that's mm. disputes and then suddenly you have. Um, you know, lawyers on one side, lawyers on the other side, mm-hmm. accountants, and, and like external parties disputed to something that could be easily be agreed between the actual interest parties mm-hmm. itself. So I think that aspect, we, our foundation, like our core, it was definitely the lead on 
what is happening today. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I think that my role in FTI and the, the fact that uh, all the, um, you know, the, the projects that I've done, customers, clients, I've dealt with, is that that helps our business in, in, in Brazil, is that look, I get to meet so many extraordinary people with um, extraordinary operations mm-hmm. that in their own rights they're doing really good things and and that um, and seeing that and, and having a conversation with those clients and it's it definitely helps with our own business with mm-hmm. ideas. Mm-hmm. It comes out to sharing ideas, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we do that in our with our neighbors mm-hmm. that are you know coffee producers for example. Um, you know they doing something differently and we say okay hang on a second why are you doing this different like that's an example that mm-hmm. the technology we're doing at the moment because essentially was actually talking to a few people about mm-hmm. it. um it's it, that so my job this really gives me because it gives me the opportunity to meet so many you know extraordinary businesses mm-hmm. that doing that doing really well that definitely helps mm-hmm. with our operation I guess with the succession, it's like I said because it was a succession planning without the planning, mm. it was something that you know needed to be sort of had to quickly. Get done. It had to get done, so mm. it wasn't um, mm. you know it was a matter of uh, mm. of thinking how can we actually mm. plan this because really mm. so from what well, had to be done it had to be done. Yeah. So from your experiences um, in your family business yeah. and then conversely what you see day-to-day in a professional services aspect, what tips would you give our generation in respect of business planning or succession planning? Uh, and without putting you or I out of a job, uh, yeah. how important <laughs> do you uh, consider advisors such as lawyers, accountants, other advisory services yeah. to be in making those decisions? Well, I think, um, look, you can't, you have 24 hours a day, right? Yeah. So, and you can't be an expert in everything. Mm-hmm. So having having people to help you in your business, whatever that might be, if that's a succession planning, if that's operationally, if that's in relation to capital, mm-hmm. or that's in relation to, you know, water rights or, or, or you know, a legal advice, I think I think it's extremely important, and it's not we do that ourselves. Because, for example, if when I say we do that ourselves, meaning like my sister and I in Brazil, I mean we have city on us, right? So mm. the business is not running on its own. Mm. We need to. We do have we do you engage. Rely on others. We rely on others. Yeah. So I it, it depends. It depends what our business model is, right? Mm. So I'm not saying everyone needs to have a full time advisor because probably it's not necessary mm-hmm. and in general it doesn't matter also the size of your business you're going to have people that will come to offer things to you that might be very useful for you and it, and it might not be very useful for you mm-hmm. and um, like to me uh, to me advisor advisory is, is important we use that we have um, you know, a, a full-time uh, agronomist, for example, mm-hmm. that um, you know works with us, and um, not just we could be calling them when we have trouble. A lot of people do that, mm. and um, but we choose to actually uh, partner with them so we can maybe have you know better solutions for bigger production. You know, things like that. Mm-hmm. It's just like I think these days because the the 
the industry is evolving and the economy is evolving so rapidly, you need to be ahead. Mm-hmm. And for you to be ahead, um, it's quite... I think arrogant is a very bad word to say, but it's quite um presumptuous as well, I guess, but I'm running out of words. <laughs> but it's quite um I think it's quite dangerous for you to think that you can do everything on your mm-hmm. own. Naive. It's probably naive, yeah. I agree. So I think um like I said, you don't need to engage suddenly, oh actually I'm going to engage with every single advice I can because that's going to be better for me. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's gonna be better either. Uh but don't be against someone else's mm. opinion on you know, in, in your business mm. because they will come with the fresh air. They'll come with, uh, you know, so not fresh air, fresh eye to your operation or to what you want. Mm-hmm. And and then that gives you more time to concentrate in other things, whether it might be within your business itself or your, you know, maybe, maybe a side business, mm-hmm. maybe something else completely different. Mm-hmm. You just free your time to concentrate on other things or something that you're really good at. You know, you you have a better chance to actually succeed because mm-hmm. you get an expert to help you on that. If yeah. that makes sense. So I think anything you do in your life in general, whether is in your business or mm-hmm. personally, I, I think is worth to actually ask for help. And mm-hmm. it, oh, that that's why mentors are good as well. So mm-hmm. mentors, I said, well, may, may, I have so many mentors. And I think mentors gives you, um, you know, sometimes you are in one direction and then, and then suddenly um, you think that's the direction you should be. And after you have a conversation with your, with, you know, your mentor, uh, whether that's a formal or not, they pivot to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And then you, because, and, and you were not really going that way at all. Mm. But... You change, and that's again, you change for better. And you just, you wouldn't be able to do that if you didn't have that in the first place. Or if you actually, you know, if that's an advice, if that's mm. um, someone that you actually did seek to help you, mm. it's the same situation. Mm. And But you could not see it before, not because we're not capable of seeing it, mm. but it's just like a, um, you know, sometimes it's actually quite important to have people to look things in different mm. perspectives. Well, one of the examples that you gave um, earlier before we started recording, which I thought was quite apt, is that, um, you know, majority of us, and certainly probably all of us, uh, generally get a health checkup every year. That's not, right. Not because we're sick, but because um, we just want to check in and see how we're going. Um, the same can be said and same should be done for businesses. That's right. Um, you know, go and get... A business checkup, or, yeah. or get advice on on what path you're on, or whether or not you know there are other options and things like that. Yeah. Um. So obviously, touched on you know business planning, strategy, yeah, engaging advisory services is important. Um. But what do you believe at the moment uh, is the biggest challenge facing young people in the agricultural industry at the moment? Um. Oh, that's a couple. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely what's not, not just young people, but I guess from like a, a forecasting perspective, mm-hmm. what they what we all gonna be facing, but I guess young people will be facing probably a lot longer climate change, mm-hmm. there's no doubt. I mean, it's it's real. Yeah. And everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. And it's not um and whoever is in primary production are feeling it and are feeling it hard. Mm-hmm. Uh we are feeling it and 
And I can say that the pattern, you know, the weather change and and the changes that we had to make operationally mm. in our in our operation, mm. um, like I said, we we've been there for twenty nine years. Yeah, twenty nine mm-hmm. years. It's vastly different. Mm-hmm. I remember um, when I was a kid, where you know, like I said, we would, I told you before, they used to go in, in July um, and spend entire month doing harvest. Mm-hmm. It was not one day of rain because essentially it's winter and it's dry, right? Simple yeah. as that. Winter dry, summer wet. Winter dry, summer everything's mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah, flowering once, <laughs> not twice, not three times, not five times. And you're not having raining during the, the harvest. Mm-hmm. That's not the case anymore. Like, and when, we are when getting, did that change start? Oh, years ago. Like, yeah. uh, years ago. Not just when, I would say, it's been really, like, uh, I mean, every year changes a bit, right? So I can't say, oh, this year, that's when yeah. it started changing. Honestly, it, it started slow gradually, process, yeah. but it feels like it's so out of whack. Like when I say out of whack, it's just very unpredictable. So it's not like, for example, we think, oh, yeah, no, that's exactly that day we're going to start harvest and we're going to finish that day because this is how many hours it's going to go through mm. this particular paddock and then that's exactly what's going to happen. Mm. It, it doesn't work like that anymore mm. because one day it might rain and then essentially you can't harvest when it's raining. Mm. You know, as every other producer goes through this, like we have a couple of clients in Australia, they were like, oh, actually it's raining today in the farm and then we actually have to stop harvesting, which is just, it's just part of life. So the climate change and the anything that goes with it, mm-hmm. from a primary production perspective, it's actually a massive challenge that I think everyone will be facing and the new generation you'll be facing even harder because mm-hmm. that means more money you have to be dealing like more more uncertainties capital uncertainties you're going to have to be dealing with right mm-hmm. because your operational cost is going to increase you're going to have to be very very um um uh, when i say clever with what you're doing not not better than everyone else you have to be um you know, ahead and, and try to think of different ways where mm-hmm. you can avoid loss of a particular production, which, you know, sometimes you can't really do it. Like, it's not it's not possible, mm-hmm. right? Like, with the drought, with the floods, I mean, how can anyone predict that? Mm-hmm. And it's not a magic um, solution, right? No. And the other thing, so I think that's a massive challenge mm-hmm. because essentially the uncertainty around that which brings financial uncertainty, it's, it's increasing. The other thing is um, definitely access to capital. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, you know, 30, like 50 years ago, to, you know, buy a farm, you wouldn't need that much money mm-hmm. than today. So I guess for you to start a business, start a business in agriculture today, mm-hmm. you need a lot of capital. Mm-hmm. And how are you going to get that, right? How we can, how someone... That's coming. It's like you know, I want to start a business. I want to start, um, you know, I want to start being a producer right now. So mm. what do I need to do? I need to buy a farm. I need to buy cattle. I need mm. to grow, or I need to, you know, start planting cotton or whatever that might be. Mm. It is how are you going to get the capital? Mm. And then with all the climate change, with the risks mm. in relation to egg. Capital is tighter, it's more difficult, mm. the risks are 
higher. And we're slowly so saying, as you'd be it's, saying, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, and, and then, and like, and also like, uh, and I think that's, that's one of the reasons, I might be wrong, right? This mm. is what I, I'm assuming that could be one of the reasons that a lot of people are just, you know, leaving the bush and then just like, you know, I, I'm going to get a better remunerated if I go to the city and get a job in, 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 in whatever mm. profession that you you want to you want to do, and then what's going to happen to 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 the land, right? So mm. what's going to happen uh, with the next generation? Mm-hmm. And I guess like um, well, like take us for example, as me and my sister and I, um, we we have the business in Brazil, and um, but we we have our own jobs too, right? Mm. So we we restructure the business in a way that would actually uh suit an absentiana right mm-hmm. and we are growing in that like i mean <laughs> working really hard <laughs> and growing our operation with a lot of sweat trust me <laughs> and not a lot of sleep <laughs> and a lot of sweat but um but it's it's like um to be quite honest this is very uh like the fact that we have effectively um like a we're de-risking mm. you know our um you know like i have a I have a job i have mm-hmm. a salary she has a job um and, and my brother-in-law has a job etc mm. it's actually um it, it gives us risk. yeah i know mm. and and it's and it's actually so let's say if we did just have to deal with mm. the you know the farm mm. ourselves um, it's actually quite scary to think that you know, like uh, what I mean, we would be doing way more things, right? Don't get me wrong. Mm. But I'm just saying, it's but very, it's, it's the unfortunate position that a lot of a lot Aggies of find I know, themselves exactly. in, and, and you and I find ourselves in, and and you and your sister is that given the impacts of um, climate change, the unknown risks associated with natural yeah. disasters. Um, we are having to, our generation is now having to hedge our bets in wanting to be in agriculture yeah. with another source of income. That's right, yeah. Um, and this sort of brings me... Uh, and I mean, it, I mean, look, if you actually suddenly, you're getting to an operation that's worth, you know, I don't know, billion dollars or mm. 500 mil or something like that, well, good on you. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. But... You but know, those who actually start out or who yeah, are feeling the full force. It doesn't fit everybody, right? No. So we're not talking about corporate, like massive corporation mm. is different. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're talking about, you know, if we scale it down a little bit mm. for, because what is difficult in agriculture is actually, if you think about it, it's cash flow, right? Mm. So every day you need to spend money, you know, buy food and, you know, live um, your life and mm-hmm. uh, go on a holiday or, you know, do whatever, and if you if your operation, depending on your business model, doesn't give you enough cash flow for your living costs, as well as reinvesting into the business, so that's challenging. Mm-hmm. And if you have to actually, and if you have about you know three, four, five people coming into the business, essentially, it's not sustainable enough. Mm-hmm. So it could be sustainable for two people, it could be sustainable for one, it could be sustainable for three, but when you start increasing the number of people that would have to be living off their particular business, mm. um, you need to see, okay, we have to grow way bigger than that. So then our cash flow 
can actually sustain all of those families mm-hmm. or okay that's not sustainable for all of us so we have to actually go to the city or mm-hmm. do something else or just you know get into another industry mm-hmm. or hedge out your you know your your bets on you know the things mm-hmm. it really it's it is um it's yeah it, it depends it depends on mm-hmm. As I said in um, my introduction, that um, one of the reasons why you truly inspire me um, is is uh, (laughs) see a bit of blushing happening um, (laughs) is that uh, you are successfully wearing two hats. Um, You're an agribusiness services professional, and you are a primary producer. Um, The clincher for me, though, and I'm sure for many of the listeners, um, is that you are operating two full time jobs. in not only not only two full-time jobs but you're doing it in two separate countries um so what are some of the challenges that you face um working across different countries cultures and time zones um well time zones that's pretty yeah that's pretty it's pretty clear time zones Mm -hmm. right so (laughs) (laughs) so essentially while now um it's six to eighteen in the afternoon uh in, in Sao Paulo is, is five ten in the morning, so mm. you know that's that's the kind of challenge that I have to face on a daily basis. Which you know, again, you adapt, right? and you've got so, your team. You got a team exactly. So mm. um, um, I, I say, like our our board meetings, which is obviously uh, very informal, but still board meetings. We have <laughs> is, is in a car. Me either going to work and my sister coming back from work, or mm-hmm. the other way around, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because essentially, it, it, it always coincides. Mm-hmm. And well, I guess out of 15 minutes, after 12 minutes that we cover out of family gossip, so we <laughs> use three minutes for the business, or sometimes all the way around. It really depends on the, on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, is, it is definitely challenging. and look I'm always up for a challenge mm-hmm. so I actually I wouldn't have any other way and the fact that um, look so what are your time management tricks the, I don't think it's a trick mm-hmm. like I don't think it's such, a, it's such a thing as trick mm-hmm. it's more it's more like a you have to prioritize so I'm yep. really good at prioritizing what actually is crucial and important mm-hmm. and 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 then you have to and whatever you're focusing on, mm. you should be just focusing on that. Mm-hmm. And then you just go and focus on something else. Mm. Um, but make sure you actually cover everything, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, like we were talking before, again, recording, um, I think it's very important to make sure, you know, people, you know, like don't ignore people when they, yeah. they call you, make sure you always, make sure, you know, make sure they... You, you justify why you didn't call things like that mm-hmm. because it's just it's just respect and mm-hmm. professional because it's not everyone is busy mm-hmm. and I don't think it's, it's just not excuse really no um, you know, just and again it comes to time management mm-hmm. um, some people are really good at it some people are really bad at it I don't think I'm really good at it I think I'm you know I'm good for what I need mm-hmm. and I think so I hope so until someone starts complaining that I haven't been <laughs> trying to call <laughs> But um, and also obviously technology, like yeah. technology, it's is extremely important. Being in a completely different country and so far away, it just doesn't feel like that anymore. And mm-hmm. if I think about it, thirty years ago, or twenty five years ago, even twenty years ago, mm-hmm. um, 
when we were living 150 kilometers from the farm, we were more distant to what was actually happening in the farm than than actually me here 14,000 kilometers far from it, mm-hmm. which is unreal mm. to think that, right? And in such a short it's space of time. absolutely unreal. Mm. Like, it would be absolutely impossible to be able to run, not just for me being here, but for my sister, which is 400 from the farm, without technology, which, because technology brings people together, right? Mm-hmm. So with the technology, um, we can talk to the farm manager every single day. Um, we can see uh, the farm operation every single day through cameras and um, can keep, keep people engaged, mm-hmm. right? So, and also, um, like, with, and again, with the uh, cultural changes, you were saying, like, this is different culture. And it, like, Brazil and Australia is very similar, in the, like, culturally. It's mm-hmm. actually quite similar. Business-wise, is a little bit different. You know, Brazil is a little bit, it's very bureaucratic. You know, a lot of things... It just drives me nuts mm. to do in Brazil. But I'm aware of that, you know, because obviously I have dealt with that my whole life and I have seen dad dealing with that his whole life. So mm. I'm familiar with it. Doesn't mean I like it, mm. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, because while we're in Australia, let's say if it's a straight road mm. to get from A to B in Brazil, we'll have a couple of, you know, curves in line and then you get to B. Mm-hmm. And that is just how it is, you know, it's how mm-hmm. doing business overseas, it's always different. We do, like I've done projects around, not just in Brazil, around, you know, the Middle East, uh, um, you know, North America, Australia, mm-hmm. and they're, they're all different. And honestly, if you don't understand the cultural difference, mm-hmm. if you don't understand how things are done, um, you're just not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter of actually really understanding how you know how the culture works mm. um so yeah you 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 learn how to do it mm. um i can't tell you i was excellent to start with because obviously i learned the hard way as a lot a lot of us mm. do um but you know we we, we get in there we're pretty good at it and we have we have a really good team like uh like I said, my sister, myself, my brother-in-law, we work pretty well together. Mm. We all have different, um, we all have different skill set, if you know what I mean, and we contribute towards the business with what we're good at as well. Mm. But most importantly, we do have, we do use a lot of, um, a lot of uh, help, um, mm-hmm. as in external. So we have our employees, but we use, you know, accountants, mm-hmm. lawyers, and and uh, agronomists because it's. Honestly, it's it's important. I'm not. It, it's. I don't think we would be where we are at today with the growth if we didn't have those stakeholders helping us. Mm. <laughs> well, yes, and 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 one thing that um sort of uh, resonated with me was we were talking about time al- time management and um saying you have to prioritise sort of what your focus is. Um, and it reminded me of last year I was at a young agribusiness event here in Brisbane and the fabulous Danny Thomas of CBRE Agribusiness was the guest speaker. Um, and naturally there were quite a number of Danny's messages that resonated with me that night, uh, including the very apt uh, that you need to be the steward of your own life. Um, but one comment that really hit home for me was Danny's belief that there is no such thing as a work-life balance 
it's effectively a unicorn. Um, he said that the best thing you can hope for is work-life harmony because there will always be times when you have to choose between your work and your personal life. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with Danny on that one um, and would probably go further to say that um, it's important to surround yourself with individuals or a team, uh, as you've said, um, that understand that sentiment and support you accordingly. So what is... Uh, particularly given your commitments and given that you're across countries, um, how, what is one thing that helps you to, strive, to, to achieve that work-life harmony? Look, it, it depends. It, things work different from everybody. Yeah. Right. So for me, uh, sometimes it, you, know, you have to work really hard mm-hmm. and your personal life, when I say personal work, let's just define that. Right? Yeah. So work meaning being working either for your own business or for somebody um, in office or you know, busy with deadlines and things mm-hmm. like that. And your personal commitment, whether that's you know, uh, you know, cooking, kids, um, sport, like sport, hobbies, hobbies mm-hmm. um, can actually get very, uh, you know, gets a bit compromised. And there are sometimes because you're trying to achieve something that's actually really, really depends on you to be achieved. Mm. Um, and sometimes you even have to work even harder, and then you have absolutely no time to even think about your personal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, that's not sustainable every day. Clearly, as well as it's not sustainable for you to just think about your personal life every day. It doesn't work like that. So. It depends. You, you have to. It's 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 not a it's not a formula, right? Um, you have to judge where you can actually. Okay, it's okay to take a break. I I think it, it depends what it works for you. And for me, like I actually, I, I enjoy being busy. Like I absolutely love it. I, I love working in egg. I I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. I love I love what I do. And people I work with, I really enjoy. That's very important because at the end of the day, if you don't enjoy, you know, if you are employed and you don't enjoy people you work with, it's it's just a recipe for disaster because you spend most of your day working with those people. I'm not saying you have to like everybody. That's mm. not but you have to realistic. Enjoy the environment that you're in. But you've got to enjoy the environment you're in mm. because the guy is just toxic. Then you get home and then you're upset about your whole entire day. It, it just doesn't work. Mm. And... And also, um, you know, with with the business as well, uh, you know, the, the business really doesn't need my attention every single day. Mm. Um, but sometimes it needs 24 hours. <laughs> and it's just, it is what it is. It's just the nature yeah. of the business, right? And, and you just have to honor it, right? So you just honor it. You just get that and just dive in and do it properly and that to me works really well so everything everyone that knows me they say like well you never do anything in house which is true because you know you have to have fun right you have to enjoy what you do and you have to do it properly and honestly if i didn't if i wasn't like that i wouldn't be here talking mm. right now i wouldn't even be in australia i wouldn't even be able to get a visa mm. you know like i really <laughs> had to have a very very strong plan and stick with it because it's nothing was easy. Mm. Like I, I haven't, I have never got anything in my life like that. You know, like it, it doesn't work like that. I no. just know hard work. So to me, 
if you put the effort in, it's if you put the hard work in, you get the result. And when I say hard work, I'm not talking about working mm-hmm. as in professional. I think in general, in like general. if you you know if you want your friends to be friendly to you and then uh, have time for you, you have to put the work. And, and actually time. make time for them. Mm-hmm. If you want to, you know, be fit, you have to make an effort mm-hmm. and then go to the gym, you know. Or if you want to, um, you know, if you want to do well with, at your job, mm-hmm. you need to actually work hard to be able to do well at your job, you know. It, essentially, you're going to go through roadblocks in every single thing you're going to do in mm-hmm. your life. Every single thing, mm-hmm. right? Doesn't matter what it is. But you have to actually put the effort. If you put the effort in, mm. it's it's pretty much it's more than halfway done. Mm. You know, well, there's it's, as as we were saying before, there's no such thing as an overnight success. You've got no, to have it doesn't a plan, work like that. Oh, and it takes time, uh, and it's about embracing your you know your team and, and the people around you, yeah. um, and that, and having fun. You have to and have having fun. fun exactly. Actually yeah. enjoying what you are doing on a day to day basis. But, but having really fun. Don't just say you're having fun because it's the right thing to say. Just feel it. Like, mm. just really, really, like, just just have that, you know, satisfaction mm. in what you're doing. And, and that's, that to me is absolutely important because and that's what gets me out of bed every day. Like, mm. it's just like, oh, it's amazing. And don't get me wrong, you're going to get, like, pretty annoyed at some days. Like, <laughs> oh, God, I have to wake up, I have to go to work. Because it's an obligation, right? Like, mm. life is not, like, fluffy every day. No. But it just... Look, what triggers people to be happy in general, mm-hmm. it can be so many things. And, like, to me, one thing that really drives me is it's seeing, um, you know, like the result of your own of your own effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it takes time. And, and then when that happens, um, you're like, oh, gee, this is bloody amazing. You know, I can't believe I did that. And, and that is, and that's brilliant. I mean, and the thing is, it takes time, like you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a, for example, you know, if you want to have a, you know, get promoted from A to B, let's say that in a normal course would take three years. Be focused on B. If you are in A, be focused on B. Don't just think about B and then, like, be obsessed about B. Just be focused on B. But one thing that's very important, don't forget every step of the way throughout that, those three years mm-hmm. because that's what you're going to be remembering. When you reach B, it, you're not going to be, that's not B, is going, it's not going to make you happy. Like, or, or it's, not, it's, not, it's not going to be a founding memory. What would, what would be actually the memory for you is all the hard work that you did to achieve that and that will give you so much satisfaction because actually, you're like, you know what, I did it. And that's bloody amazing. Mm. And I mean, whether you did it all by yourself, whether you have help from people, it doesn't matter. It's just how, like, a, like to me, that, that again, that works for me. That mm. might not work for everybody. But it's very important for you to, like, the journey is very, very important. Mm. And, you know, the end goal is great. Like, the, the what you have to have goals. You need to, I mean, because essentially you have to be, to, to have a guide where you want to be. But the process to get there, that's where you're going to focus on because that's what actually is your everyday life. Mm. That's where you're going to apply everything. And that's where you need to make sure you you know you, you actually have fun every day about mm. it. 
So, I mean, it's quite clear you've had a plan and your plan, I know, will continue to evolve as the years go on. Yeah. How important um, have mentors been to you in actioning your plan, in reaching your goals? Um, you, know, you mentioned earlier that you have multiple mentors. Yeah. Um, uh, how have, what role have they played? Oh, oh, I just, I can't really name um, a particular role, like various mm. roles, because... Like I said, mentor, uh, you like a, you obviously you have a goal. Mm-hmm. You yourself, you want to achieve something for yourself, right? And then um, you have a plan in how to get there. Um, mentors really help you to give you more clarity where you don't know and how the the reason they will have clarity is because they have experience and they either been through that themselves and they'll be able to give. You, uh, you know, um, uh, an experience, uh, sorry, uh, uh, an example from experience, that again, it might not work for you. That's why it's important for you to have several mentors. I mean, when I say, like, it, it just, it doesn't mean you're going to connect with one particular person. Um, and just because, let's say, for instance, you're a lawyer, right? So, and then um, you want to be. Um, let's say a particular partner here in, in your law firm, uh, you want to be in, in, in his or her position, mm-hmm. like exactly what they are doing at the moment. You want to say, you know what, in whatever time, you know, whatever year's time, I want to be doing exactly that. Let's say if they are your mentor and they come to us like, oh, you know, this is what it worked for me, this is what I'm going to do. It doesn't mean that actually is going to work for you, mm. you know. And it doesn't mean you're not going to reach that level either. Because in what might work for you, it might be with someone else's experience may have that actually will help you to get to that level in from a different perspective. So I have mentors from different industries, from different levels, different, um, you know, like I said, my greatest mentor was my dad. Unfortunately, um, you know, I don't have him to tell me things anymore. But I always think, but he told me enough. <laughs> but it's funny how my, like my sister and I were always like what do you think dad would think from that and then even though he's not here anymore he actually still kind of dictates what we think we're doing <laughs> which is amazing so but you know it's very um, it's very important for you to be able to again it's run ideas by like I see mentors as friends because mm-hmm. in the end of the day when I say friends um because they have the best intention in heart for you to be successful, right? And um, in, in any shape or form, like mm-hmm. I say, professionally, personally, whatever that might be. And um, and what else can you ask, really, of, you know, of someone that you admire, mm-hmm. you think they're doing really well, um, you not necessarily wants to be in their position or anything like that, but you really admire their journey. And... It could be out of 10 things they tell you, it could be one thing that's like, oh, actually, this is really good. I want to do that. Like, that will, that's brilliant. And and then you get that one thing. And then from another person, you get the other thing. And suddenly, and you, and it helps you giving clarity to your journey, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Absolutely. So I, I had that throughout my life and I still do. And I intend to have it until, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe I'm 90 or something. Mm-hmm. Because... It's a very lonely, 
I think it's just very lonely if you think that you know you just don't need anyone else's opinion on mm-hmm. anything to be honest because it's like oh that's pretty lonely in my opinion mm-hmm. um, and I opinion is like it's not such thing as you successful enough and and, and experienced enough that you don't need um, help really mm-hmm. uh, I think everyone does and everyone benefits from it mm-hmm. even like I said if it's to run an idea by and, and I do that all the time mm-hmm. on a daily basis and it just mm-hmm. it's really it, it has really helped me mm-hmm. and it will continue it, it will continue to help me you know, as well. mm-hmm. absolutely um, now a couple of final questions for you um, what are you most proud of in your career today short and sharp first thing that comes to my head well th- definitely that I'll Definitely that I was very persistent to be mm-hmm. where I am today and the fact that I I was very um, well I'll call it not that stubborn but very very firm to succeed on my own merit mm-hmm. because to me that was the most important thing. Mm-hmm. So don't get me wrong, I think um, nothing wrong with people having a lots and lots of help or not having help at all or whatever. But to me, the there was like the the route I chose to take from the time I came to Australia to learn English as a qualified vet, but couldn't speak a word in English, being from Brazil, meaning well, like absolutely nobody really, <laughs> like literally, mm. you know, that couldn't I couldn't just suddenly go and get a job as a vet because I couldn't even speak the language, and that to me. That's the journey, you know what I mean? Mm. So to me, it's like, well, you know what? To be where I want to be, I need to go through all these steps and I want to make sure that I can actually firmly say that actually that's my own merit. And to me, that's extremely important. I believe success with merit. Mm. I always have. And I think, and, and it's actually, it's harder, takes longer, but it's it's solid, right? Mm, so the satisfaction gain. It's satisfaction for yourself, and no one can actually come and say, "Oh, you, you know, you got this job because you know you're connected to whoever, mm. or you, or you got this deal because you know you." Yeah, mm. no, that's just so. To me, that's very important. Mm. It's just I don't know if that's because of how I was raised, but to me, because I always admire my dad and where he. God, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, from from very humble beginning, and to me it was like, I was like, I just wanted to. I mean, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever be that good, but it was to me it was very important. And and my and I mean, I think I thank God for that, like mm-hmm. because we wouldn't be where we are if we didn't have mm-hmm. that foundation. If yeah. that makes sense. You've got that foundation. You've built a plan and you are reaching your own goals. On exactly. Own goal, yes. Incredible. 100%. Mm. Yeah. So final question, what advice, if any, would you give your 20-year-old self? Definitely listen to your parents, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> like, don't, don't, just, don't just think you know everything. Um, yeah, I think uh, absolutely. Like, listen, listen uh, well, to myself. Definitely listen to to 
people that are more experienced than you. Mm. Um, and and just absorb that and then see if that's the best for you. And unfortunately, when we are at that age, we think we know better. We think we know better because, you know, we are fresh into the that particular era or, or that particular technology that our parents might not be um, aware of that, so we think we're better for some reason. I'm not saying it's just it's a tricky it's a tricky thing. Like I, I mean, I face I, I get that with my you know my like my godson and you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. he oh he listens to me a lot. Wouldn't that not like no? I'm joking. But it's it's amazing how it's funny how like seeing some of his. Um, you know his expressions and his, the way he sometimes say things it's like oh, I'm stubborn seriously <laughs> like just listen and I was like yeah, we got used to be like that as well and it's amazing mm-hmm. how you just obviously as a trainer you just don't see that right? mm-hmm. you think you're right and in your heart you really do it's not like you're arrogant and you just no. do it it's just in your heart you really think you are right and you know exactly and that's the truth for the rest of your life, which is obviously not. Mm. <laughs> but, but then, yeah. I guess that's definitely that's that would be the lesson. If I knew how you know my life would go, I would I would have listened to, for example, my dad saying good finance first. You know things like that. You know, but mm. again. You got there in the end. I got that in the end. Don't regret it mm. all. It's it's it has been a. a an amazing journey, painful at times, but pretty amazing, uh, I guess. But again, you know, if you could actually, if people can actually do listen to others um, more, like listen more, I think that would be it's a it's a mm. great start. And actively listen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Eleni, it has been an honor and a pleasure to have you join me on the podcast today. You are truly one of the leaders in agribusiness professional services and an exceptional example of how effective business management strategy and, of course, passion can help pay dividends when it comes to striving to achieve one's goals in the agricultural industry. I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot from you today, as have I. Thank you. Thank you. No, that was, a, it was great. That was great. It was an honor to meet you. Um, no, thanks for thinking of me. I hope um, I, you know, could inspire at least with one phrase anyone that's listening. And um, yeah, hope hopefully um, you can take um, you know, some productive tips out of out of this podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much. No problem. And to our FFN podcast listeners, thank you again for your support of our Mentor of the Month podcast. Be sure to follow the Future Farmers Network on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn for information about our next guest on the podcast, as well as our other exciting projects and events. Until next month, thank you for listening and take care.